Good week. Today is Wednesday, and man, we have a very, very special show, special episode of Who's Number One ahead of us today. Two legends are joining us on the call. We have Marcelo Garcia and Eddie Bravo. Michael, how did you come up with the idea to combine these two guys together today? Uh, I don't know. They're just two guys I really like talking to when they were on here. I just figured it would be a, a good conversation. I, I mean, I think that they're really well-respected, especially in the Nogi community. I mean, Marcelo, four-time ADCC champion. Eddie's, you know, obviously a Nogi innovator. And I thought it'd be really cool to uh, just talk, yeah, talk about uh, the Nogi competition scene with them. And I mean, they're both fun guys. I know it's going to be a fun time. Absolutely, I definitely had a great time the first go around. And uh, let's bring in Marcelo right now. We have Eddie uh, trying to call in. He'll be joining us in a second, but Marcelo is already on the line. How's it going, Marcelo? How's your day been? Uh, it's been good. Everything's been good so far. So uh, you joined us once before on Who's Number One. Uh, any major updates, you know? I, I think everyone's kind of living the same life right now in quarantine, but we always like to check in and see how things are going. Any uh, any changes going on for you? Um, we, it's not much sure, you know what I mean? There's nothing that I can tell for sure right now. I am just know that like you, you're kind of getting used to. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you just kind of like, uh, you know, take things easier now because you just kind of, you know, it's not gonna, things not gonna change like from one day to the other. So I'm just exercise like my patient. You know? What are you doing to uh, pass the time? I know uh, you said you got your bicycle now. You, what, what are you doing? you uh, to, to kill time right now. I mean, I'm sure normally you teach so much. What are you doing now that you have all this free time? Uh, people maybe doesn't know, but I, I I feel like I teach a lot in the gym. Some people ask me like, uh, uh, "Are you there?" Of course, I'm there. And they say, when sometimes the people arrive there, visit, they're like, "Oh, I didn't know you were here." I was like, "Of course, I'm here." You know, <laughs> so that that happened a lot. But at the same time, teaching jujitsu, go to the gym is such a, a small portion of my day. Um, guys, I, I'm staying home a lot, and my project is like, uh, make the gym keep going. And take care of my kids, my family, you know, feed them, make all the food. So I don't know if people think about that, but when you stay at home, I feel I'm still busy, just as I was, I was before. <laughs> With two kids at home, guys, it's very easy to be busy. Especially <laughs> if, like, you know, if you're able to play with them a lot, you're going to be busy all day. <laughs> How old are your kids now? My son, he just turned five last week. It's such a crazy thing to, you know, have a, a birthday in the middle of this whole thing with the kids. All his friend was in a in a online in the Zoom. You know, what I mean, it's just it's just crazy. My son is five and my daughter is uh, six. She's gonna be seven in October. So they they're pretty active. They they don't give them much work, but they they keep you busy in that age. You know? So at least they're not like. Uh older where you'd have to be a teacher right now that would be that'd be a little rough you'd have to be marcelo garcia the math teacher right now like a lot of parents are doing <laughs> I, I, i'm thinking about that because i i think i have a little bit more patience in math than my wife so soon i'm gonna be turned to the math teacher right now but my wife she's the one that's taking care of the school stuff you know I mean, they're already in school they're doing the they're doing all, online with with the the school with the same teacher everything but at the same time they give a little bit of them they give a little bit of, of the um, live interaction with them, but then they give a lot of like a homework. So I don't know. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Are you working out at all right now? What are you, are you doing anything to stay in shape? 
Uh, I don't know how it was when we talked last time, but things has changed from the beginning of this whole quarantine. I was, you know, we try and make things move. We're figuring out like how we're going to keep everybody engaged, how everybody we still going to be able to kind of thinking or doing some jujitsu. So we start to have the meeting, but then after a week we realize, all right, you got to do more. So now I'm I responsible for four times a week doing the the class and the class is it's most like a like half of the time warm up a good exercise some drills on the mat I don't have a mat over here I'm based on the carpet against the wall I feel like that's <laughs> most like what I feel like people are going to have in their house so that's why I don't want even I don't even want to get a mat or, or any like equipment but I want my students be able to f- follow me like a, and do the same exercise so I do this a lot and then later we talk about techniques. We talk about match. We we discussing about like uh, uh, we watch some match together, things like that. But I realized like since I start workout, even I don't have jujitsu, I'm try do some warm warm up, some some exercise related to jujitsu. Something that I always remind jujitsu. Well, I'm trying to say like it's definitely not the same thing, but it's something that really remind. And I promise that I'm, I'm feeling better. And I feel like everybody probably will have a little bit of that sense too. I just, I just hope. Because we like to just, but we, we also really like to get tired, right? We, and I was missing that. I was missing that kind of like a be out of breath. So I, I'm getting that with the exercise. I'm getting a little bit better up, you know. Especially the first week. It was terrible the first week. But now, now I'm, I'm good. Now I'm, I feel like I, I'm beginning to warm up. We're doing like at least 30 minutes every every day and it feels feels much better than the first week. So uh, how much bike riding are you getting in down there? Um bike? I'm I'm just I'm just beginning. I'm just I'm just getting my bicycle ready, you know. I, I didn't I didn't do the bike yet, but I don't know if I mentioned this before guys, but I don't like all the exercise besides jujitsu. I, I don't have a uh, passion for that. But I feel the only exercise that we we can call exercise is to ride a bicycle, and I, and I like to ride fast. I like to go to a long ride, and I really feel like that's made the only exercise that like I, I I'm I'm still enjoy besides jujitsu. We uh we yesterday so normally we we always have uh the guest the day before you know this because you're on here before we have the guest the day before ask a question for whoever's on next. We had on. Uh, we'll just jump right into this now. We we had on yesterday Leo Vieira, and oh, uh, awesome. we have actually two guests. Oh, hold on, Kyle. Uh, yeah, so Leo Leo was uh, the guest yesterday, and uh, yeah, I guess here will go his, his question for you. Tomorrow we uh-huh. have actually two guests who you go way back with. You, two guys you've known a long time. We got Eddie Bravo and Marcelo Garcia are coming on tomorrow. So if you could think, of, try and think of something to ask Eddie and something to ask Marcelo, would be pretty cool. Oh, nice. Man, it was a really, really nice interview. Marcelo Garcia and Eddie Bravo. Man. It's going to be fun. I want, like a, yeah, like Eddie Bravo, he's so, so fun and loud and speak. And Marcelo is so calm and quiet. Like, it would be interesting interview, you know? <laughs> but uh, I have to make one question for both of them. Yeah, probably, probably just one for each. It makes sense. Maybe one for Eddie. Yeah, like, I can make one. Yeah, like, you know, I think, like, uh, that are like I would like to 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 know about them. Like, what's uh, if it wasn't like for both of them? If it wasn't jujitsu, like what's 
what is what they're gonna be doing for life like what's the what's the what's their other option yeah great <laughs> maybe a little too relevant right now given the fact that we can't actually do much jujitsu but I, I love that question so anything come to mind marcelo that you'd um might have gone into if you hadn't found jujitsu uh that that's cool especially come from leo you know uh i, I love him you, you guys you guys i don't know if I, I don't know if i'm able to express this but um i feel like obviously it was a generation before my and i'm not calling him old people doesn't like that but i'm just saying like uh uh he wins so many stuff before i i came out and to have him just talk about you know it's just fun to see him but I, I, I answered that question a couple of times and I, I think it's fun to imagine, but at the same time it makes me feel, oh, I think I will enjoy that. You know, I think I will be like a truck driver, you know, if I don't have jujitsu. A truck driver? <laughs> yes. I did not expect that answer. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that before. What do you like about uh, driving trucks, about rigs? And, and guys, I didn't change, I didn't figure this out now. Obviously, I can think about something now if you just doesn't come back. You know? <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, but I'm talking about like uh, right in the beginning when I, when I started Jiu-Jitsu, I, I knew I want to do this for the rest of my life. But I didn't know if I can make a living. I don't know if I can uh, have a meal on my table doing Jiu-Jitsu. You know? But then I thought about like, okay, I think if I teach, I think I'll be all right. I think at least I can feed myself. I don't think I'm going to be starving. But that, you know, I, I thought it would be all right. And then I thought about, oh, if it doesn't work, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't work with construction. When I say construction, I did really lowest level, you know what I mean? I didn't have any school. I was just a kid. I was just, and everybody around my family, they kind of do construction, but they, they don't, they don't went to college. They just do like the, the lowest job in the construction. And I thought, okay, at least I, maybe I will have to do that one day, you know what I mean? If it just doesn't work, I can just go work with construction, you know? I, I was a kid. I was 12 years old. My my goal besides jiu-jitsu wasn't, wasn't that big. But at the same time, I thought about it with myself. But it's something that I really want to do if the jiu-jitsu doesn't work. Uh, I, want, I want to be a truck driver. I want to get to no place. I, back then, guys, I, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to go to another country. You know what I mean? So I thought that the way that I can go the farthest I can in my country probably be like a uh, driving a truck and be my job, so it would be fun. Driving a truck, huh? It's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. What did you think? <laughs> you, you thought he said he was going to be a, a skateboarder? Yeah, Leo, Leo thought you might might have wanted to be a skateboarder. Did you used to like uh, riding a skateboard around as a kid? Uh, who said that? I think Ricardo said that. Actually. Oh, was it Ricardo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were there. So they were going to get a skateboarder. Uh, Leo's answer actually. Leo said he he would have probably worked as a, a doorman, a portero. He said that's what his dad did. He probably would have went and did that or a pro soccer player. But obviously, being a pro soccer player is pretty hard. Uh, I, I got confused. Do you know why? Because I I love skateboard. The skateboard was my first love way before jujitsu, and was a big one. I I probably used to love. I think I already described to you guys how much I love jujitsu, and I think. Uh, skateboard was very close to that, you know. I don't think it was more because I didn't spend much more time. But it's still, be uh, a skateboard back then on my on my hometown. It's something that like it's way below jujitsu. You definitely cannot make a living back then thinking about doing skateboard. So that's why I never thought about that. But skateboard was fun. You know? What did you like to skate? Were you a, a street skater? Did you have a uh, certain things you like to do? I just picked up a skateboard Look. during quarantine. I've, I've been relearning it. It's been a very long time, but there's not much else to do. So. 
I thought it was fun that Look, you like skateboard is fun, you know what I mean? It's fun and creative. But at the same time, I told my, my hometown was really small. There was not even one ramp. There was nothing. There was no like a, uh, anything that you can practice in the trick. Everything was just on the street. And unfortunately, I, I always felt just by myself a lot. I was just kind of obvious. I was kind of on the shy side. So I don't have that many people that want to do skateboard. And I was always stay just kind of like, you know, I don't want to step on people's toes. But then I, I realized, like, man, I'm the only person in this whole, like, a parking lot over here every day. Sometimes there was some people, sometimes not. So there was not one place that you can see everybody. And obviously, like, there was not that many people either. So it's really fun, but I didn't have a chance to even learn many tricks. When I try to say, like, you know, there was no ramp, there was no bowl. There's obviously no half pipe, stuff like that. But... It's pretty funny, but unfortunately, I don't think they have the same benefits of jiu-jitsu. So I'm glad I was able to go towards the uh, the martial arts team. So did we go over last time? I don't think we went over. Did we go over how he started when, when he was on here with Bernardo? I think we might have skipped past that. Yeah, how did, how did you start martial arts? What brought you in there? Ooh, it's a long story, guys, and, and I yeah. can tell really well. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go, let's go for it. I'm, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure. I just want you guys to know that's a long one. But I, I was always like a martial arts love. And I, when I say love, like a, I love any type of martial arts because I have no idea what was martial arts. For me, martial arts was the only uh, thing that we see on TV. And before then, I was just watch like Karate Kid. That was, that was like... That was the biggest thing for me. Oh, it's so cool if you can do karate. So I did four years of karate. My first three years, the, my teacher was awesome. I was from eight to 10 years old. And then he left. He moved to another city. And then another teacher, he was awful. He was just like a, he was almost like a bully. You know what I mean? And it wasn't fun at all. And he started making me really lose passion, passion for that. And because my town was really small, there was not many options. You know, that was Capoeira who I, Back then, I didn't know anything. I didn't know if it was martial arts or not. I think it's a little bit more away from martial arts. I can be wrong. but And also, there was a judo. And then I thought about, okay, between capoeira and judo, that's the only two martial arts left. Okay, I want to do judo. But I was so against the whole grappling. Just how we, just how we still heard people, oh, I don't want to be grabbing people. I don't want to be touching other people and stuff like that. I don't want people to touch me. So I was having a little bit of that concept coming from karate, from four years of karate, from eight years old, from 12 years old. But there was not many options. I really liked the martial arts, and I was just lucky to, to, to be kind of like a, a open to try. There was a little group of friends. We spent a week going there and watch. It was a little intimidated, all the takedowns, and then I started judo right away. I don't know if it was the first day, but quick the second day i fell in love and i was like oh i can't wait till the next day and then obviously it was just two times a week and i have to wait sometime like from thursday to monday i was like oh i can't wait for monday it was terrible wait and my judo coach after year he started going training jiu-jitsu to his old teacher so i was like if my coach if my judo coach goes there and learn something i want to go there and learn too and then i got involved in jiu-jitsu and i realized jiu-jitsu was kind of on the easy way, when I say the easy way, it was more fun, less drill. Judo was so many drills. And sometimes like five minutes, like I sparring, sometimes 10 minutes sparring the ending. And Jiu-Jitsu was like 40 minutes sparring, one hour sparring. I realized, okay, I think I enjoy more Jiu-Jitsu. 
But I was so involved to judo. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to give some time to judo. Next year, come back, train judo. My division is going to be better. I'm a little older. We're going to have a limit of weight because I was kind of most in the open weight on my age. And then I was like, okay, next year, come back. It was kind of six months when I turned like a, I thought, I thought when I turned 15, I come back. Then obviously, like after six months, when I was already 15 and I was supposed to kind of like, okay, now I can do judo again. I didn't want to do judo again because I was so catch up and, and in love with jiu-jitsu that, you know, there was no turn back. Amazing. So about what age was that then that you fully switched to jiu-jitsu? Uh, that was exactly the age. I, I clearly remember that. I did from 12. Um, I don't know if, uh, now I got confused. So it was 12 or 13. And I did one year and then one year only judo. And then I did six months both. And then the next six months, I was like, okay, I'm going to only do jiu-jitsu now because my division is terrible in judo. Because I was a kid, I was a little chubby, and I was on the last division. You know, I mean, my division, that was almost like absolute. And, but I wasn't the biggest one. I was the smallest one because I was already like a 175, almost 180. And all the other kids, the chubby kids, was really like a way over that. So it was really hard. I was losing some match I, because usually like in judo, if they push outside, I was getting punished. And just because they pushed me outside, I was like, and I think it was like from, I, I'm not sure now if it was 14 or 15 that I make the switch for, for only jiu-jitsu. When did, uh, when did you start playing around with no-gi? I know it's not as common uh, back in those times at all to train without the gi. Is that something that you guys did just in the summertime? Did it ever happen? Um, I know we talked about that a little bit uh, on the last, last podcast, but maybe did you have any early experiences with no-gi? That, did you hate it? Did you love it? Um, let, let me just try to be clear because it's always, it's kind of confusing. It's hard to explain this, but let me try to explain so people most like know a little bit better. So my first jujitsu teacher that my judo coach took me to go over there. Once we get there, it was everything. It was, was like, a, was UFC time. That was the beginning. So everybody was watching those, uh, VHS tape and then. My coach was like, make us do MMA, make us doing like a slap on each other. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so there was no glow. So we just have to smack each other. So it was, it was terrible as a, as a, as a, a teenager and then in the middle of all the adults, you know what I mean? And obviously, like, that was, you just take the top off and you use your, your pants. So it was kind of like no gi. But right away, you know, I start to get more like, okay, I want to compete. There was no no-gi tournament, so I don't want to do no-gi because there's no tournament. I'm 15 years old. I, I don't want to do MMA now. I still want to learn jiu-jitsu. So I start to obviously get just more into gi. So imagine like a, uh, I begin with everything. It was a mess because I was white belt, getting you know in the middle of the whole thing, try to learn everything. And then when I moved there, I was already only doing gi. And that was just the beginning. And I was doing so much gi. It's funny to say that I was basic hating no gi. I, I was like, a, so imagine I moved to a place just to train jiu-jitsu. That was the first time when I was 16. And over there was only gi. Only gi. And one of the highest belt, we all blue belt. Pretty much all blue belt. That was a poor belt. It was really good. Hey, now he better. So he was always one, one belt higher than us. 
And as a brown belt, guys, he beat everyone on the Brazilian trials of the ADCC. So it was huge, almost without training, because we don't train no gi, just because he was really good. And it was funny, so he, get, he got qualified to ADCC. And the funny thing, back then, I was already, I was already brown belt. He got qualified for DCC, and we didn't train not even once. Maybe if you train, maybe we train once, but I don't even think we have that much time involved together because they know I don't like no gi. All the way to brown belt, you know, I went from the blue belt all the way to brown belt without training no gi because there was no reason. I didn't, I, I wasn't qualified for DCC. I, I, I always thought I don't have level for that. Our gym was not knowing to have no gi class. So imagine, he did the whole ADCC camp for him, obviously, and I didn't even train. I think I trained with him once. I, I, obviously, I'm really trying to remember everything. So I think I really trained with him once. And then obviously, like, I was terrible. And then obviously, he knows I don't want to train more on Ogi. So imagine, like, I was kind of close to ADCC, but I didn't realize that. But at the same time, I just doing so much gi. So when I moved to Sao Paulo as a brown belt in 2000, um, one December of 2001. I I got there and right away started getting really hot in Sao Paulo because I don't know if you guys obviously you guys know it's the opposite of the United States. You know, yeah. I mean, over here it's hot yeah. and over there it's gonna be cold. So in January over there it was really hot. It was in the middle of the summer, and Fabio Fabio decide okay every summer guys it's time let's do most no gi. So it was most no gi. When I say most no gi, it was like a five five days of no gi and one day of the gi, mostly. And I was forced. I was like obligated. It was like it was a big deal for me. I was forced. Like I was totally against everything that I want to, I believe. But then it was so hot. There was no windows, for example, in the whole gym. I don't know if you guys ever thought about that, but like that was like just some holes on the top of the gym that was like a ventilator. It was no air condition. It was just ventilated to get a little bit of air. So it was so hard with the gi. So the no gi was almost a little help. But at the same time, I was so bad. And I remember to train with... That time, everybody was trained together right in the beginning. Tere, Damian, Helis. Everybody was... Leozin was going there. Uh, Cumprid was going there. It was a big train. And I remember, guys, I was so bad. I was okay. I was brown belt with the gi. And then when I was trained with Helis... Uh, Damien, who they are brown belt before, what were kind of like, oh, we're still kind of competing, you know what I mean? We're still kind of like a close level. But then the no gear was so hard for me. It was like a, was like a, so, so like disappoint. So it was terrible. But then obviously, like uh, after a couple months, I started to feel like, okay. And, and then they changed. They took the no gear off because that got cold again and that. But I, I was already hooked. And then I was like, every Friday, after the summer passed, every Friday I was training no gi. Only Friday. And then I was like, the whole ADCC story coming. But it was kind of like, a, it was a big transition for me to, to take the gear off. You know? So I think something a lot of people probably don't know is your first ADCC championship, you actually went to the trials. And you didn't win the trials. Can you explain that that situation about about what happened there? Because it, it was a pretty interesting uh, turn of events there. Look, everything was working. You know, what I mean, that was the way that was before. Uh, somebody know that you're good. Somebody 
uh, know somebody, so and then they put you in the ADCC. There was no trials. So that was the first time, that was the first year that they make a trials. But it's still, the trials, you still need to know somebody. It's still somebody needs to know that you are really, really good if you're a big name or something like this. And then I, I think Fabio knows somebody and then Fabio like, okay, Marcel, I'm going to put in the trials. You've been trained Ogi long enough. You, you should do the trials. And I went to do the trials and everything was good. I think I, I got like a, a two submissions from the four mats. And in the final, I lost because I pulled guard. I pulled guard in the final in a way that they told was okay. But as soon as I pulled guard the way that they told was okay, I got penalized with minus one. They told me, obviously, I didn't know much takedowns. So they told me if I shoot for takedown and the person sprawl, I can sit down on my guard. I asked that the referees before, the day before. As soon as I shoot for takedown and I sit down on my guard, they're like, minus one for me. So it was 20 minutes in the final. I was chasing my opponent. And into, after 2005, they start to put a penalty of stalling. Until yeah. that, I don't know if you guys know, you don't have to even touch your opponent. You don't have to. You don't need to in the ADCC. You can stay like running around the whole mat if you want to. Obviously, it's going to look bad. I don't think people does that. But at the same time, if you don't want to engage, you don't have to. So after 2005, they change and they start to put the pen out, you know. Hey, uh, I think we have no, another. Not, not yet, not yet, not yet. He's working on his audio still. Okay, okay. We're almost there with the Eddie. Trials. Yeah. So then, how did you end up getting into uh, ADCC then? And if, the if whole, you lost the whole Nogi, the whole Nogi already passed, right? The whole phase Nogi already passed. So, so who qualified? Obviously, like was getting ready to the the no, the, the biggest Nogi tournament, and just a couple weeks later, they invited it in. Terere was in the division, and he lost to Daniel Moraes, who had beat me on the on the final. And they invited Terere, and the Terere was like a, he got third place, and I got second place. I thought, okay, maybe they're going to invite me in the last minute, maybe. And guys, I went all the way until the week waiting to they invite me. I wasn't trained no gear like it was before. I was trained no gear every Friday because I cannot change the whole gym because. I might gonna be invited. So at Thursday, the whole bracket comes out of the DCC. And obviously, that was not my name. My name wasn't there. I went to do my workout. That time I was doing workout. There was a, a, a friend of mine who was Fabio's partner, who was Fabio's partner in the gym. He told Marcel, I'm gonna pay for you. I want you to do this workout. I promise you, you're going to get so much better and stronger. So he was paying a personal train for me for eight months or six months. And because he was paying, it was so much money, I felt obligated to do it, right? Even I hate. So that Thursday, I came to the guy after the train. I was like, dude, uh, forget about it. You know what I mean? Let's not do this today. The bracket comes out. Oh, you should see how much I eat after the lunch training. I went, I eat everything I want because the whole bracket is out. And then he's like, he was always, he was pretty tough. He was kind of like bodybuilding style. He's like, come on, come on, no, you're gonna walk out. I was like, no, you have no idea. My belly is like, it's so full right now. And he's like, no, no, let's walk out, let's walk out. In the middle of workout on Thursday afternoon, uh, somebody called and say, oh, Fabio wants to talk to you. And I called Fabio in the middle of the workout. And then Fabio, Marcelo, can you make the way tomorrow? 
I was like, what do you mean <laughs> make the weight tomorrow? Uh, there's like, there's a guy from US that he's qualified, but I don't think he's going to make, you know what I mean? Um, and I was like, of course I can't make the weight tomorrow. And I, was, I was feeling my belly so full. I was like, I don't know how I can get this foot out of my belly right now. You know? And I, I told the guy that was my coach uh, of the conditioning trainer, and he's like, okay, go running, go running. And obviously I went run and I don't think it was enough. And then after two hours, it was kind of nine. I was like, okay, I'm going to run again. And then I run again. I was like, I make the weight. And then next morning, okay, you got to make the weight, but you're not sure if you're going to, if you're going to fight or not. So at Friday in the waiting, I was there on the way in the middle of all those big names. Everybody was there. The guy who beat me on the try was there. Tere was there. Shaolin was there. Hans was there. Guys, it was like, a, it was crazy for that time how many names was, was in that division. And I was there just to make the weight in case the guy doesn't show up. And right after I make the weight, somebody comes like, okay, Marcel, you in. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, the guy is not going to sh- show up. He's ha- he has a court date, you know what I mean? Some, some crazy stuff. And then he didn't, <laughs> he, he didn't show up. The guy just didn't show up, so you got in. So how many days away What was it when you found out you were going to be in there? Uh, on the way in, on the Friday, you know. Wow, and you were just on waiting, ready to go. So, guys, what's what's huge? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know. So, what what were your emotions when you found out you were going to be in there? Uh, obviously, like it's was weird. You know what I mean? I was I didn't prepare myself to really be there. You know? But guys, um, I made the way. I didn't even went to the hotel. You know, when people are like, oh, I stay in the hotel to the tournament. I went back home because I was in Sao Paulo. So that's why they called me too, because I was already there in Sao Paulo. And that was the first year the Abu Dhabi ADCC was outside Abu Dhabi. Because the whole thing that happened, you know I mean, the whole 9-11, nobody was flight, visa was so hard, everything was complicated. You know? uh, so it was in Sao Paulo. So I just drove back home and it was kind of weird. I was like, oh, I'm at home and I'm going to compete at Abu Dhabi tomorrow. And the Abu Dhabi means... For my entire life in Jiu-Jitsu, Abu Dhabi in, in, in the Emirates, you know what I mean? And then next day I wake up and then my wife was, was driving me to the, to the ADCC. It was kind of weird. Oh, she's driving to go compete the ADCC. Guys, it was just so funny because she put like a, some song on the, on the, on the, on the car. And I didn't know English at all. And she started to kind of like, uh, translate the lyric. And the lyric made me so pumped up. It was so crazy because I was, I was like a 20 years old guy. So I was, I had, my emotion was just like a 20 years old emotion. And, and I, I have no emotions like about, you know, today when I talk about my kids, I cry. So be, before them, like, I don't have no much of emotions beside like a, a, when my, when my mom passed away. So she started to translate the, the, the song from Eminem, you know, from, mm. I even forgot the name of the song. And then they say, like, you have one chance, you know, one chance only. And it was so yeah. cool. You know, I'm sure you guys know the name of the song. You know? Lose Yourself, the name of the song. Yes. And I still love the song, obviously, but I didn't care about the name. I just love the whole mm-hmm. lyric. And she started translating for me. I just started crying. It was just crazy. You know? It was just crazy that, that drive into the tournament. And then obviously, like, uh, um, you know, that, that was a change. You know what I mean? That day, everything changed. And just to describe what I'm trying to say, change is like a, I was I was so out there looking for people to train with me. When I say train with me, like I was always have to go so far. I always have to travel. I move my 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 
my home to go live in the gym so I can have people to train with me. I have to go people, go pick up people in their house so they can come train with me. That day things changed. That was the first time that I realized like, uh, now people want to come train with me after one day DCC. That was the first time that I realized like, uh, okay, I think now obviously like I feel obviously it's going to be easy to maybe make, make a live of Jiu Jitsu. But that was the first time that I realized like I don't have to chase people to come train with me. It was funny because in a couple of weeks later, uh, a Japanese who competed ADCC on the lightweight, he just showed up. No speak one word in English, no one word in Portuguese. And he said, Marcelo, Marcelo Garcia, uh, I'm here. I want to train with him. And then he stayed six months just to train six with Six months. Him. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, it's just fun. You know what I mean? So you had a, a pretty tough road. What did you think when you saw uh, your spot in the bracket, who you were going to have to fight at the tournament? Uh, it was funny because <laughs> there's not much to say. People look at the brackets like, uh, okay, you have this guy. Okay, you have Shaolin on your side. You have Eddie Bravo on, on your side. Okay, but the other side is like a Terere and, and, and Daniel Moraes. Okay, but yeah. your side you have Shaolin, who was... Probably the biggest name of, of, I think, to win that tournament, I think. And Hansel, uh, obviously, was already like a, maybe another generation, but then Hansel was like a twice ADCC champ on that weight division. So people, people want to kind of motivate me to say, okay, it's your day, but at the same time, I don't even think they, they believe, you know what I mean? They, especially because not even Fabio was there. Fabio has, he has a seminar in, in, in Bahia, you know what I mean? So far away. So he was not even there on that day because he couldn't change his seminar because he didn't know I was going to compete at DCC. And basic, I was there to compete at DCC against all those guys. And no, no one, I probably beside my wife, thought that I could have won, you know what I mean? That day. So, okay, so your first round, let me see who you beat. I, I just watched all this recently for that ranking cargo. The first round, you beat the guy from Japan, Yuma Konyo. Japan. Yeah. Uh, second round, you're going to get Henzo Gracie, who, like you said, is a two-time ADCC champ already at that point. What are you thinking about? Uh, I'm sure that was the biggest match of your life. What are you thinking going into a match with Henzo Gracie? Uh, obviously, like, the name is already make you think a bunch of stuff, right? When you just think about, like, uh, uh, coming where I came from. But I don't know if you guys know, my first jiu-jitsu teacher, he took me to compete one time in Rio. It was, it was crazy back then. I, I went all the way to Rio. First time competing in Rio. It was a national. He put me in a different age division. I was supposed to be infant. That's what they call back then. Infant, juvenile. And then the next division they call juvenile. And then he put me on the juvenile. So I was young and I was in the old. Because he missed the weekend. It was a different weekend. And at the same time, it was a different way too. So I was... <laughs> Wait, so your coach uh, mixed, me, mixed up the dates, so he put you in the tougher division? <laughs> do you know why? I, 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 it's not his fault. Back then, he don't have nobody to go compete. You know what I mean? Mm. It was just like a, he was not used to make not even the, the radio station. You know, I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I'm just trying to describe how, how things was just not organized at all. And obviously, I end up there. I lost in my second match or maybe the third match. I don't remember. And then right after that, he's like, Marcel, you need to, you need to go in the beach. I never been in the beach. So that was the first time he took me to the beach. Right when I go on the beach, I start to see some big names over there. I was like, man, I asked them to take pictures of me, please. I asked my coach, you know what I mean? I was so, uh, shy. And then he took me to, to the Gracie Bar. 
and Hans was there. Hans was there. So I say hi to Hans in the change room, and then he was all happy, and I was obviously I was all shy. He was always a big smile, and I was like just a, a kid. And later on, I saw he, I went to see him train, and then I asked to take a picture when he was on the mat. I took a picture of him on the mat. So all this came on my mind. Do you understand when I went to compete against Hanzo? So it was it was huge for me. So you won that match uh, by points. I think it was pretty one sided. It was with nine nothing. Um, at some point during the middle of that match, did you have like a a reality check? Like, oh my god, I'm I'm winning this match. Yeah, like, I'm on Hanzo's back. I'm like, on Hanzo's back here. I mean. Did that happen during the match, or did you only reflect afterward? Uh, that that happened right away. As soon as I took his back, I didn't realize. I, I not I didn't realize. I, I don't believe that was really happening. Um, guys, some people ask me, "Oh, do you?" Be, I finished everybody on the on that tournament beside hands, right on the bracket. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then some people ask, "Oh, you you try to be respectful, hands?" You know what I mean? I was like, "Obviously, I respect him, but I promise you, I didn't, I didn't." I didn't try respecting not making tap. I was trying making tap, you know what I mean? I think that's the best respect you can people. You don't want someone just kind of like uh, try pretend they're going hard. I was, I was going really hard. And Hanzo always like, imagine like uh, he was defending the back better than all the other guys, right? So I didn't make him tap. But that was one point that I couldn't make him, him tap. And I realized, okay, I just cannot lose. I start thinking about, okay, to win this match, I only have to maintain his back. I cannot make him tap. I'll try so hard. I can only. I now. I just need to stay here and don't lose the position. And Hanzo, I I don't know if he felt that. And then he start trying really hard to come out in the last two minutes. And then I realized, man, there's only two minutes in my life. There are only two minutes in my life that I just need to stay here. I just don't need to change anything in my life. If I just hang over here, almost like for my life, I'll I'll gonna be able to win this match. And that's what I did. This never happened in my life before. Um, so I was trying to be clear that people ask, oh, do you save him? No, I didn't save. He was just so good that he was able to defend that. But that was the only time that happened in my life. I finished a mat. My hand wasn't open. My hand was like, like this. You know what I mean? And what I did because I hold the seatbelt for so long in the end and he was trying to get out. And he got out. But obviously, it was like maybe five seconds, ten seconds most left. And that was so huge for me that I was able to hold that change. Like I told you guys, I hold that like on my hand. And I realized if I just hold this enough, I'm going to hold that victory. And to go to the semifinal against Shaolin with your hand like this was <laughs> terrible. was a terrible feeling. You know? So that, that uh, like you said, Shaolin might have been the favorite in the bracket. He was really flying high going into it. But you finished it pretty pretty quick. What do you what do you think about that Shaolin match? That was a pretty crazy match. Uh, I cannot even describe how huge it was to face Shaolin because I have to take a picture of him maybe two years before too. I I I, I need to show him that picture. I mean, we we've been talking pretty often. So, um, and obviously he didn't know who I was, but at the same time, I come from like a bit Hansel, and now my my arm is pretty much dead. And when I say that, like, uh, you think, like, uh, okay, as soon as I start the match again, my arm is going to get tired again. So I went to the match, like, oh, man, I have to give everything because if my arm gets tired, I'm not going to be able to do anything else. So I, I, I stopped pretty pretty fast, right? But one thing that I, I really remember, guys, as soon as I finished the, the match with Hansel, a friend of mine who was a really into yoga, you know what I mean? 
he he got my fingers like this and he turned everything out. He he did something like this. And then he really massaged, he hold my hand like this. I remember exactly. And then he massaged my hand like so hard. And that makes my hand open up again. But I knew that as soon as I begin the match, and as soon as I have to grab again, I know my arms are going to get tired again because, you know, I already have enough experience to know my body that way. But thing went so fast that when I was able to get the choke and then Shaolin was spinning so fast, guys, that he was so sideways off of the choke. He was, I kind of lost his back, but I just maintained only the choke. That when the when the referee started tapping my back, I was like, this guy is making me let it go, but I know he's not out. I know he's going to begin again. I know I, I will lose the back, you know what I mean? So as soon as the referee tapped my back and I let go and I saw him there, I was completely like, a, uh, I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't believe, I couldn't believe that happened, you know, because I came from like winning from Hanzo, but obviously like my arm was dead. And now I go against Shaolin and then everything happened in like, a, I don't know how many seconds. And now he's sleeping over there and I'm like walking away. And I was like, a, at the same time, I was so off. I was like, a, um, my coach was not even there. You understand? Fabio didn't see that. Fabio was not there. And the feeling, just so you guys know, I described this on Flow Grappling before. Do you know when you're a kid and you know when a kid does something wrong and then he looked kind of, you know, he did something wrong right away. That was the feeling that I have. I knew I did something wrong that when I say something wrong, oh, it's not the choke. I didn't mean to choke him out. I'm talking about, you know, when you do something wrong that you're not supposed to win the tournament. You're not supposed to beat Shaolin. Everybody's looking for you like you're not supposed to. Why, why, you, why you win the match? That was kind of like based the most feeling. You know? So now you're going into the finals with Otto Olsen. You probably didn't know much about him, but he beat uh, Daniel Moraes. He choked him uh, in the first and round. Did it, you know? And Terre. Yeah, he, he beat some good guys. So what are you thinking about Otto Olsen going into the uh, final there? Uh, obviously, after you beat hands and Shaolin, you, you, you know, you, you got you got my my confidence was was pretty high. You know what I mean? I don't want to pull guard again. You guys already know what happened before. So as soon as I begin the match, I I I, sh- I shot him. Uh, he kind of take me down, and that's okay. You know, because the first half of the time in ADCC, they they don't they don't score. There's no point on the half of the time. So you just cannot pull guard. So I didn't pull guard. I shot at him, and then he kind of pushed me back. So I kind of got take down, but there was no point. And obviously, like after after I was able to get to his back and finish. I, obviously, he doesn't have that back defense like Hanzo. He doesn't know jiu-jitsu like like Shaolin, but that was that was the end. But I didn't realize I have won at DCC. You know, I mean, it was it was so huge that I didn't realize. I was so off, guys, that I went outside. Obviously, everybody was happy. Fabio was there on the next day, and we celebrated. It was awesome. We have an amazing picture. I'm glad we, we have that from the first DCC. But that was the first time I walked outside. It was dark. It was night. Everybody was already laughing. And a, a girl approached with like a with some train of, of the guys that probably was their friend from the school from the jiu-jitsu. And a girl just asked me to take a picture. And as soon as she asked to take a picture, there was no phone back then, right? There was no picture of the phone. As soon as she asked to take a picture, I took the camera from her hand and she's and she's like, No, 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 I want to take a picture of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was so off to know that, like, oh, I have one at DCC. Now people maybe want to take a picture of me. Obviously, I didn't I didn't realize anything. 
back then. But that was the first time I was like, all right, uh, okay, I guess people now are going to take a picture of me because first I thought she was asked to me to take a picture of them. You know what I mean? And what a wild ride from not even knowing you're going to compete to winning the most prestigious tournament in just a couple of days. That must have taken a while to sink in and, and really become a, a reality for you. Um, like, like I told you guys, I don't, you don't feel that, you know what I mean? But I was like, in a couple weeks later, I arrived somebody from Japan and he wants to train with me. I was like, oh, that feel good. When I say feel good, like, uh, oh, it's cool. Somebody wants to train with me. Someone wants to learn something from, from me. It was, was very exciting. You know? So, uh, speaking of ADCC, we wanted to queue up uh, a fun match and watch it with you today. It's uh, this one that we gave uh, the match of the year award to last year. It's uh, this. It's Hinato Canuto. It's from your old division, from 77 kilograms, which is always the most exciting division, in my opinion. Hinato Canuto versus Gary Tonin, if you want to cue this thing up, Kyle. Yeah, so what do you think about these guys as competitors, Marcel? These guys are both pretty exciting, huh? Um, the funny thing, I didn't watch the whole match, so it's going to be a good chance. Yeah. I know. I, I, I know they're both, they're both uh, amazing and, and they, they always put a good show, right? And they like to start pretty hard, but I, it would be fun to watch now. You know? Absolutely. I mean, hey, you might be fighting these guys in, in four years or three <laughs> years or whatever when you come back. No. They're going to be fighting me, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like think that way. <laughs> what do you think about Gary? Are you are you, are you a fan of Gary's grappling? He's always pretty exciting, huh? Um, look, he he has tested himself. You know what I mean, he has tested test himself a lot. Uh, when I saw him going against like a Tokinho, that, that pretty impressed me. You know, what I mean? and when I say impressed me, like uh, uh, he was not fear Tokinho. What many people was fear him. You know what I mean. So that day, like, uh, he definitely, like, uh, make me looking for him. Like, uh, he's someone that, like, he really take a risk, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Nato Canuto is another fun one, too. He's a uh, guy, I mean, he's a checkmat guy now, uh, training with Leo a lot and stuff. What do you think about Hanato Canuto? Man, he always he always put an excited fight, too. He always, like, try make some cool moves, you know what I mean, stuff like that, you know. But I'm just looking at Matt. And I want to see yeah, yeah. But he, he's, you know, he's he still have to win win those titles. You know what I mean? I I don't think I don't think no one of them has win ADCC, right? Or even Mundial. You know? No, they haven't won ADCC yet. Uh, JT won the last two, and then Davi won it before that. So yeah, JT would be the the guy who's running it right now. So it's, guys, I I I don't I, I don't want to go wrong, but um, those guys are from my division, guys. So I'm I'm a competitor. I'm I'm yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a instructor. I've been instructor for a long time. But like I said, if I'm thinking about competing, because I'm still have that inside, <laughs> and I, and I can't hide that. And just just so you guys know, if I look someone that maybe I'm gonna compete, I have to look for his mistakes. When I say mistakes, like a uh, I have to look towards like, oh, he does that wrong. He does that weak. He, oh, he's, he kind of failed that. And then obviously like, no, I've, 
I don't say they make mistakes all the time, but I have to look for mistakes. I have to look like, uh, oh, this guy is not so strong. Oh, this guy doesn't. It's not that I want to put him down, but I need to know that, like, okay, I can do that. Okay, he doesn't have that defense. Okay, he has an open over there. Oh, he's open for them the hook. Oh, he's not attacking that much. So usually, guys, I have a difficulty. If I look someone that I'm going to compete, I'm going to always look for their bad side because this is automatic. That's that's how I always boost my confidence. When I'm when I'm on the other side of the bracket, when I'm sorry, when I'm on the other side of the mat, I'm keep looking for something that like, okay, he's not so strong. Oh, he doesn't have the defense. Okay, if I if I do this, he can defend. And that's that's how I look the match right now, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, that, that's amazing, and uh, I love hearing it because some people have really strong feelings uh, the other direction where they don't like to watch. They don't like to pay attention. They prefer to, to be very internally focused, but when you're competing, you like to watch your opponents and make mental notes. That's that's really interesting to me. Uh, uh, reality, like, uh, I cannot watch the match. I was never really used to watch a match, but I like, for example, it's a big bracket. You don't know. I don't like watch 16 people. You understand? It's, it's terrible. It's impossible. I, 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 I will never do that. But as soon as somebody pass, for example, okay, this guy passed. This is going to be your next match. I have to go there and see who he is. When I say see who he is, like, okay, that guy has a good takedown. That guy has a good, like, ankle lock. And they're already kind of like, uh, that's enough. I'm kind of like, okay, now I know how kind of like a, how to take one direction. Always I just need one direction, at least to begin. And that's most like what I like to do. I choose one direction. And from that direction, I hope thing works out that I put the person to defend me. And that's like, that's based my strategic. And I'm sure a lot of them knows that. And if they open, if they make it open for me, like they're going to have to follow my game. And I, I don't think I'm going to be on their game if they, if they let me take the lead. You know? Absolutely. How do you, uh, how do you think your game uh, fits in there with today? Do you think they, they, you'd have to make adjustments compared to back in the day? Or do you think we'd, we'd still see the same Marcelo Garcia, the, all the same tricks you used to do? <laughs> this is this is the future, you know. What I mean, I don't think we can we can know yeah, what's gonna yeah. happen. In the future. But if you say like, okay, I'm 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 older than them, you know what I mean. But at the same time, I know everything I did. I know how many times you guys already heard what I just said. I have to prove, right? And guys, that's what makes the game interest. If I if I know I can go there and beat all of them. I, w- I wouldn't be enjoy go there, you know what I mean? If if I have a challenge, if I know, if I know people like, oh, I don't think myself can do it again. That will make me have to try, <laughs> and the try is what makes the most fun for me. And guys, my entire life, most of the time, I'm just try, but I try really hard, and and i know usually when i try really hard like uh, things tend to come on my way and guys just one thing that i like to mention you know what i mean they're both great fighters you guys know the level they put a show they put the best fight on the ADCC. they have all the credits but they haven't won yet you know what i mean so yeah. at the same time i i have to, if i have to bet my money you know what i mean i, I don't think I, i'm going to bet my money on them absolutely i mean yeah you have to be the favorite uh then, I mean, who else would you have to contend with? Now, I'd imagine JT. Well, I mean, that's three years from now. We don't. I'd imagine JT will still be in the mix. Probably some younger guys that we're not even thinking of now. Who knows? Uh, but 
Yeah. How much are you looking forward to doing ADCC again? Is that something that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not much, you know what I mean? I, I don't even want to think that much because it's something that doesn't, yeah. doesn't, doesn't eat me right now. Do you understand? Obviously, make me think like that, guys. You guys really getting the, my, my competitor side coming out. But, guys, uh, if, if, I have, if I want that much to do, I'll have done last year. Do you understand? Yeah, like, for sure, for sure. If I didn't do last year, it's because it's not something that I, I want to do right now or maybe I want to do next year. It's definitely not something that I will, I'm, I'm hoping to do, oh, I can't wait tomorrow. I'm, I can't wait to next year come. Like, so I don't have that goal yet. It's something that I want to do it. Exactly when I want to do it, I'm not sure. But my life is so different right now that like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying much more to, uh, I'm enjoying so much more now when my kids learn how to ride a bike without the wheels than if yeah. I win ADCC again. Do you understand? <laughs> so when you, when you but, go there, but, go ahead. But I'm telling you, like, as soon as my kids grow up, I'm going to be older. But that doesn't matter. If I have a challenge, when I say have a challenge, if I know, like, oh, it'll be fun, I don't think I can win, oh, I, I think maybe I have a chance. If I have that quest on my mind, that will make fun enough for me to, like, okay, I want to test that out. But now not even money can pay that, guys, because to enjoy my my kids right now and and – to be able to spend how much time I have with them and not being have to go compete because literally I don't have to go compete. I have to go compete many times in my life. Today I don't have to go there and compete. And to be able to to enjoy the years with my kids that they're growing up and I'm not grumpy next to them because I'm starving to death because I'm going to compete. I'm not saving energy because I'm gonna travel late. I'm gonna train later, so I'm I most like just prioritize all my energy for my family. So today, this is much more fun. This is making me like wake up next day and kind of like okay, I, I gotta do that from them. I want I want to try make some really cool and new pancakes and this. <laughs> so this is the stuff that today guys make me like uh, uh come out of the bed and and start doing stuff, but. Reality, guys, uh, to go compete at the CC now, it's, it's really level down compared to all this stuff. But my kids are grow. We know they're going to grow. And we know, like, uh, would be maybe the last thing that they're going to uh, want to do sometimes is hang out with us, with the parents, you know. So when you get to the age, you know what I mean? You guys probably going to see me looking for, uh, for excitement and challenge on the mat. You know? So uh, you went there... How many students did you have? You had Mateus, obviously, uh, won gold. Gianni was there. Is it more stressful for, for you to go there and coach than it, than it is to compete? Because I've heard a lot of people say that, that they think, you know, competing is more fun, that, that coaching people stresses them out more. How do you feel about it? Guys, I, I can Obviously, like, if you go stress, it is your, you in the line, right? You're the one that is in the line. It's obviously much more stressful because you're the one they're gonna lose, you're the one they're gonna win. So obviously, look, it's much stress when you go. But when you're watching, it's so overwhelming because you think you can be there, you think you can do that, you think you can do uh this way. Oh, why did he's doing that way? And I have done so much that usually when I see, it, I was like, I, I can do like this. I can. I can have that reaction. And sometimes you want your students does that, but you're just a coach. You cannot go there and step and kind of show him right there. So sometimes just coaching from outside, it's tough. All the coach usually 
the time that you can do the most is when you're in the gym with them. And when you coach outside, you do something, but the most who's going to have to do is them, guys. Absolutely. Uh, so something I'd like to pick your brain about, uh, because you were set, you were a high-level competitor for so long, and you're obviously you've coached so many high-level people in the last couple of years. How do you think uh, the game has evolved over that time? How do you think things, things have changed, the style of jiu-jitsu that people are doing? Uh, the, the game is constantly, is constantly change, guys. Uh, but not necessarily a change for like a, a complete different way. Not, com- not necessarily change for a complete efficient way. And guys, I, I agree. The game is going to const- constantly change. And the game has been changed. Don't think the first DCC was the same for me as I competed the last DCC. Things has changed. And I, and I, I accept that. I accept the change. I, I, I try to be humble enough to know that the game has changed. But at the same time, guys, the submission is only once. You know what I mean? If, if you, it doesn't matter. If you look for the submission, I feel the change to win is more. And unfortunately, the game does, is not being changed in that way. So you don't see people submitting more than before or maybe less than before. We don't know for sure. We cannot count. I have heard, I have heard some people have won a DCC without score one point. Yeah. All referee decision. How, how is that possible? So those stuff definitely doesn't impress me. I don't think the change, the game always changes to be more danger or oh, the game, you can get tap easy today. So the game always evolved. The game always changed, but I don't think it's always for the best. You know what I mean? Do you think, uh, maybe that not people, some people aren't going after submissions as, as often as people used to. There's not as many finishes. And I'm sorry, but it's not, it was always like that too. I don't think people always go to submission. We always complain. We tell people, oh, you got to go to submission. That's why the rules has changed so much because people want to see submission. I'm not saying we always submit before. We always like a, go to submission. I'm not saying before people didn't stall. People stall even more before. But today, people find a way to... Guys, I, I have to be honest because this is my life. This is something that I, I have, I have like a, I spend my entire life. I have passion for this and trying really hard. So today, sometimes you see people figure out ways to stall inside the rules. Even the rules is really hard to stall. They figure out a way to stall. And you know what I'm trying to say. Sometimes they're really pretending. And they pretend they try so hard, but you know they're not trying. They're not risking. They, you know. And obviously, like everybody has fear to lose, you know what I mean? That's why sometimes they want to stall, they want to uh, fake something, you know what I mean? But I, I think like uh, it's it's normal, you know what I mean? But I, I have something that I believe in jiu-jitsu, and it's it's real. You can't pretend. You can you can not win. You cannot expect to the referee. You not expect to the referee. To give the the win, you go there. You need to prove that you're gonna win. You cannot depend on the ref in the end into kind of like raising the the flag and kind of like oh you oh to to ref give the victory. You can't, you know. It's 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 too rough. It, it's not worth it. You spend your whole life to go there and depend to the ref to give the 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 victory. You you gotta trust in the submission and not necessarily you're gonna make the submission, but Sometimes when people get afraid to tap, they give you the point. And sometimes when, when they give you the point, they start risk more and then give you the tap. So I feel like it's more. It's more than 
we see all the time. I feel like, especially like we're talking ADCC, it's a it's a dangerous uh, game to play trying to go and win by ref's decision or win a close match, right? Because it's it's not the same. They only score half the match. If you go to a ref's decision, it can go basically any which way. So I always think when I hear guys say, "Oh, I got screwed in that ref's decision," it's like you got to go out there like how you used to do it, and you got to try and try and finish that match and, and be dominant, right? Guys, um, I, I I've been coached for a long time. And I told you guys, I, I like, I have that competition. I think that's good because that helped me train with my guys. And I, when I'm training with them, I think I can help them. But obviously, like the last 10 years, my mind is just coach them, right? And guys, how many times you guys, you guys have watched so many matches. How many times people in the last minute or two, they have given him the best, they have in the last two minutes, one minute, they give you, they give you their heart. But sometimes they're already, they're already for eight minutes before and they didn't do that. And I promise you, if you go to that guy who lost that match, because in the end, he almost reversed, he almost changed the score, but then he ended up losing. The guy who give everything he has in the last two minutes. I promise if you go for him, it's like, okay, you give pretty good shot in the last 10 min- uh, two minutes. But now I want to give you those eight minutes back that you just lost. Do you want to do uh, how you did the ending or you want to do exactly the same way how you did before? Like you, you, you don't fight so hard the first eight minutes. I promise the guy like, no, 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 give, give those eight minutes back. Give those eight minutes. I, 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 need, the, I need eight minutes now. Yeah. I kind of like went easy and, and kind of like a, um, slow in the beginning. But now I need those eight minutes. So I'm... I, so I think about that before I go to the mat. I think about like if I go to, mat, to the mat, I need the whole time. I need the whole time just in case somebody score me in the beginning, just in case somebody takes my back. I need fight those eight minutes. I need to find those 10 minutes. I need to fight those 20 minutes. What is the final of the DCC? Because that's the only chance I have to win if I fight. When I say a, ch- a chance I have to win, I say the odds on my favor is if I fight the whole time. And I strongly believe on that, guys. I can be talking about this uh, for a day based on how much like I try to push my students. Well, uh, about that, so I just rewatched all, I re-watched all of your ADCC matches in the last couple of weeks uh, when I was studying for those 77 kilogram things. And one thing I noticed that sort of set you apart from a lot of other people, you see a lot of people, they, they don't fight that hard during the, the period where there's no points. And you go right after it. You hit a takedown right off the bat. You'll go for a sweep right away. You don't you don't fight any different when there's no points when there's points at ADCC. I, I have I have coached my, my guys and I have given interview based on that, guys. And it's 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 kind of my strategic, you know. And everybody knows we all nerves out there. Everybody is af- afraid to lose. Everybody, you know what I mean, is afraid to lose over there. If you're not afraid of lose, probably you don't care. It's, it's pretty messed up because if you're not afraid to lose, probably not even try that hard. So everybody wants to win, right? But, guys, if you hesitate, you already kind of take your chance out. You kind of walk and wait out, out to win. Many times, usually, if you begin pretty hard if you begin kind of like 100%. And I, I'm going to say, I, I begin 100%. Maybe my 100% is not enough, but I'll, I'll give my 100% right from the, right when I, when I close the distance to my, to, to my opponent. 
many times the guy doesn't want to do that. He's not ready for that. And that right there is already kind of like a, you can catch somebody by surprise. And I'm sure you guys already saw some people got by surprise from me because I, I train myself that way because I need I need to win. I, I, I'll be upset if I, if I lose. So the only chance that I have to, to change something if I do it. And I, I can't. I can't, I can't blame my coach. I can't blame the referee. I can't blame something else. So that's, that's the only chance I have. You know? Yeah, I, I was uh, surprised at the amount of athletes that have come on our show that openly say that they take their time and uh, will wait for maybe half the period to really make a move. A lot of them argue that the matches should be shorter. Do you think that's something that could really help the sport if it moves from a 10-minute black belt match to a 7-minute or a 6-minute match? Or do you think it's up to the athletes to, to go after it and ignore the time? Um, reality is, is about the, the, the athletes. You know? uh, if, if, you, if, you say, if I say I never try hold position because I'm afraid to lose, I have hold position. I have a whole position that like, okay, if I let go of this guy right now, he, he, you're going to give him so much hard time. So sometimes I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to hold this side control over here. I don't, I don't have to move. But it's something that it's, it has to be like something that like, okay, it's 10 seconds left. You don't need to open. It's, it's control. Uh, this guy is like, a, you, you cannot hold on position. I, I'm not crazy. I'm not. I don't jump out of the mountain and jump on someone's guard because I want to pass the guy's guard again. You understand? Like, uh, uh, but you, the only way you, you have to, you have to just try fight to submit. You have to try fight to, to make something move. You know what I mean? And doesn't matter the time guys. Doesn't, doesn't matter the time. Guys, 20 minutes is 20 minutes. I, I'm not saying 20 minutes, it's easier than 10. It's going to be hard. It's going to be worse. It's going to be longer, half an hour, no time limit. You know, you see some people go only submission. Um, but I have a belief and I think I have coached my guys and I have talked about that before. Doesn't matter how hard you start. If I start really hard, I can get tired. I, I, I'm a human being. I'm going to start really hard. I'm going to get tired in two minutes. But if I start pretty hard, my opponent is going to get tired too. If I start pretty hard, I'm not going to give it easy for him. I'm starting hard for me and for him. When I start hard, like a, I push hard and I make him go hard because he's going to have to defend himself. And I hope he defends himself. I hope he doesn't have that much like a, a moves ready. So I have such a strong belief that I can go the hardest I can. Even if I get tired, he's going to get tired too. And if you get tired, if you both get tired after five minutes, I still feel he got tired, mate. He got tired defending my moves. And what I'm trying to get, guys, is you train to attack. You train your moves. He didn't train to defend my moves. I train to make those moves. I feel like if I make the person get tired, if I get myself tired also doing my moves, I feel like after five minutes, after 10 minutes, in the end, I'm still going to be more conditioned than him because I got tired doing something that I do all day. He got tired because I was chasing and making defend my moves for 10 minutes. He's tired too, but he's tired from something that he's not used to do all the time. So in the end, I still feel like uh, we're both going to be tired, but I feel I'm going to feel 
um, I'm a little bit more conditioned than him. And that's my belief, guys. It doesn't matter if 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 20 minutes. We're both going to go hard, but I hope he's going to, I hope and I, I strongly believe he's going to get a little bit more tired than me. You know? Amazing. I love hearing that. That, that. That's an amazing philosophy to, to uh, approach competition with. And, and, I mean, you see it in your matches, man, the way you always push the pace. Do uh, you think maybe uh, some of these people that play a slow, that don't attack as much, do you think it might be a tactical error too? Because something I know is when you're competing and you're always, you're never letting your opponent get comfortable. You're always, you're not always attacking a submission, but you're, you're always messing with their feet or something and trying to trip. And when you're always attacking like that, it doesn't really let your opponent start offense on you as well, right? I, I think it's, it's pretty important, guys. When, when you, you're competing, you need to make the person has to uh, be busy in something that he doesn't plan. He doesn't go that plan to defend a single leg. He doesn't go that plan to uh, defend a guillotine. He doesn't go that plan to defend like a, a, a snap on his arm, you know what I mean? So usually... When the person is defending that, he's not he's not setting me up. And when I say he's not setting me up, like uh, he's not doing his favorite move. He's defending my armbar. He's defending my heel hook. He's defending my knee bar. He's defending my 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 ankle pick. He's defending my pushing on the chest. He's catching his balance. So guys, it's 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 pretty important to make the person follow following your lead. You know. And I'm not saying all I'm not saying all this is gonna make me win, guys. What I'm trying to say, like, uh, uh, this doesn't guarantee nobody's gonna win, not even me. But this, I strongly believe that will raise my odds. When I say raise my odds, like I, I have more chance like that, and I have proof for myself. I maybe not many people believe, and I think not many people believe because you don't see that many people that that much. And I have talked about this before. And people obviously they they choose to don't 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 follow my advice, you know what I mean. But I promise you, based on my experience, the 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 odds are in my favor when when the fight goes like a, a on me attack and the person defend, you know. What do you think? Uh, I'm sure you think about this as a as a coach and a teacher and everything. Where do you think, as you said? Uh, Jiu-Jitsu is constantly evolving. No, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, the technique is constantly evolving. Where do you think it's going in the future? Is there any like any trends? You, I mean, it's obviously the last couple of years have been really big into leg locks. Do you think there's anything else that's going to come in and uh, and change what people are, are trying to do anytime soon? I always, guys. I I hope. I hope like uh, some new moves. I hope like a. Uh, I hope like a. Uh, that's some. I hope some people develop some new techniques that I can I can even learn from them and. Try imitate or copy whatever they're doing if it's work for them, and it, the, the leg lock game is, is is a proof of that. It, it's got a lot better than before. I think you know. What I mean, I never played that much leg lock before. Uh, I gotta say, I have been tasked myself many times. If I have competed ADCC, who who is allowed to do leg lock for me since two thousand three, right? So I'm yeah. I'm aware about heel hook since two thousand three. But but at the same time, like I I hope the games change. I hope some new moves comes up. I I strongly believe something is gonna come up. But I'm hope it goes on that way on that direction that I'm telling you guys. It's we we can we can like uh we can't deny how many options we have to learn, and we can't we can't push ourselves we can't push ourselves back or down to know there's not much to learn. There's so much to learn. 
I, I, I want to learn more. I, I hope I have enough time to do more gist that I can learn something, develop something that maybe I can add to my game. I'm not saying learn a new moves. I'm not saying develop a new move. I, I don't trust it. It's something that you can do all the time. I don't think you can always say the person, oh, I invented the move. I don't, I don't trust on that. I don't believe on that. I feel like every time you say you invent something, somebody already tried that before. But I like to say like, oh, maybe I have done more this, or maybe I have, maybe I'm the person who has done more, not self choke, whatever, something like that. But, but I believe like uh, we have to fight to, to learn new moves. And I think new moves will come out in the future for sure. You know? You're somebody who always had a a great takedown game. You have a very underrated wrestling. People talk about a lot of your other stuff. Your obviously a lot of your other stuff, the guillotine, uh, single leg X, all that is great. But your your wrestling was always you could wrestle with anybody at ADCC. Uh, how much did you work on that? And do you think that that's something that people are sort of neglecting in their in their game these days? Guys, I I I I believe on on get out of your comfort zone. I'm strong believe. I, I just going back, like I started on judo. Guys, I'm feeling so weird. I'm just talking about myself. But at the same time, like we waiting, we waiting for Eddie over here. No, I don't think we're gonna uh, get Eddie today. There was a problem with his with I know, the sound. I yeah, know, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> but but at the same time you guys asking, so I I came from judo and yeah. I begin jujitsu and then I fall in love with jujitsu and I was so much better on top of on jujitsu because the judo. But I was so in love with jiu-jitsu that I forgot the judo, right? And then soon, my takedown got really bad. And then I realized, like, wait a minute, I'm good on top, but what happens if I don't take the person down? And then right away, I was like, I need to press guard right away. So it was really hard for me. It was really very humble. I was already good enough as a blue belt against my, my guys that I told that I come, I bring them to train with me. They don't know much. So I was very confident on top, but to me, to put guard on them was pretty hard. So that time I realized, okay, I don't have judo anymore. I'm not have, I don't train judo as much before. So I need to learn something that I can change the way that fight goes. And I decide, okay, if I don't take him down, if he doesn't pull guard, well, I feel bad on top. I can pull guard now. So right away I start training really hard guard. So I went all the way to brown belt, only doing like a, a pass or pulling guard. It's, it's very convenient, guys. You can always guard or, or pass right but then i realized like especially in this adcc if i cannot pull guard in the final if i if the person doesn't pull guard on me to get the penalty somebody's gotta try to take somebody down and then i realized like uh, that was a big big like a uh, gap on my game and that was like a uh, right from the beginning from the no gear i didn't wait all this all the way to the dcc but one more reason that make me continue to train the takedowns. And back then, like I told you guys, uh, Damian Maya, we, we always grown up together on the belt. And to see him competing, he always have such an amazing double leg. Like he used to shoot from really far away and then take people down. And he got himself all stretched on the, on the ground and then bring people to the ground. And I, I, he was the first guy that made me feel like, oh, I want, I want to do that too. I want to try to be able to take a shot like him and, and take people down. So it's completely different than judo, right? So you don't learn uh, double leg in judo. So it was pretty hard to try to learn that. I was comfortable maybe in judo. Maybe I was comfortable to stay on my feet. But to take a shot and take someone down was, was pretty hard. But I felt 
I need to I need to add that to my game. And that comes like a, a not easy, but I was able to kind of have more options. When I, to so when I go compete, I have chance to take somebody down. I have chance to if the person if the person maybe comes too hard on me, maybe I can snap a submission on them. If they pull guard, I still have my pass. If they don't pull guard and they take me down, I, I still can, I still have a, a, a good guard to, to attack. So you don't want to, you don't want to be out of options. I, I, I strongly believe in that. And that's when the wrestling come. And then obviously like a wrestling was, was pretty fun after I kind of like a, got a little bit of a hangover. I wish I could have wrestling when I was a kid, but I, I didn't do it. Obviously I was so into jujitsu. But it's pretty rough too. So it, it's something that it, it's a little bit similar to jiu-jitsu. The, the passion to, to rest and do jiu-jitsu, I think it's, it's very, has a, a good similarity. Uh, your arm drag takedown, your, your, your arm drag that you use to set up the takedown, when did you start doing that? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I can be very clear the day that I saw arm drag. I was not doing no gi at all. I was not, I was just like a, um, the coach of my coach from my second coach who was doing gi and I was purple to brown. And then he did a seminar for us. Uh, Castelo Branco, his name, he was the coach of my coach. He did a seminar to my coach who was, uh, Paulão Rezende. And then on that seminar, he showed the arm drag. But I was like, I didn't do takedown. I don't want to do takedown. I was comfortable to pull guard back then. But that day I saw them drag. And that made me feel like, okay, that's cool. That was, that was a cool, different move. It was not, take, was not like a single leg. was not a double leg. was not a judo throw. was very different. But, guys, I completely forget about it. I, I want, I, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I want to pull guard. And coming from the gi... I, I used to have always like a good cross grip and, and, and some butterfly sweep from that. So I cross the arm and I do the butterfly sweep. And then right when I start the nogi, I realized, okay, I don't have the sleeves. I, I cannot cross the person's arm and control the hand with the sleeve, with the grip. And then I thought, well, okay, but I, I guess the arm drag thing. I, I get that move that I, I heard, I, I saw on that seminar. Okay, I think I can start doing that from the ground too. So I, I start on the ground. I start to do the arm drag from the ground. And then obviously I start to feel uh, comfortable with that. And then right away I start to try to learn to do that from, from my feet. And maybe that was the first move that I, I got good on, on no gi, you know. All right. Amazing to hear the, the genesis of that. That's very cool. So we we have uh, just a few minutes left. I want to apologize to everybody about the the situation with Eddie and you too, Marcelo. I know you thought Eddie was going to be here, but there was issues with us trying to get his audio working, and yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. But uh, I had a great conversation with you. And uh, as we had Leo before, asked a question for you. Tomorrow we have Kanato uh, Canuto coming on. If you could try and think of anything to ask him, we always pass something on, and also. Uh, Give you the time after that, uh, you know, say a little message to your fans. Um, guys, I I'm so excited to see Eddie too. I, I love Eddie. Eddie is, you know, he's he's someone that we compete the same first ADCC in 2003, and then since there we always like uh, uh, have such a great conversation. We always 
change messages. And I, I was looking forward to that too. I, I thought it would be fun. And I'm sorry if I, if I came here and just have to talk about myself, but you guys asked, so I said. No, why, no we, li- we like hearing about you. Don't worry about it. I'm sorry if you come too much in the way, guys, when I'm talking about competition. But if you talk about the competition, guys, I, I feel like I, I need to talk like I want to win. You know what I mean? I don't know if I want to win if, when I come back, but I feel like when I talk that, I, I need to have the confidence. That's something that I, I need to trust myself. It's something that I need to care because that's what makes me believe that I, I can go compete one day. But I end up talking too much about that, you know, but I hope like uh, you guys don't mind. No, it was, it was no need to apologize. To it was, I, I really liked hearing your, uh, your mindset for competition and about strategy and everything. That was incredible. Don't worry. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to come here and talk about yourself. Don't worry about. It. But but talking up uh, to ask Canuto tomorrow, like uh, um, I I, I want to ask like uh, um, like a uh, honest like uh, how much he likes to 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 try how much like he likes to try submit submit his opponent or maybe just uh. I don't. I don't know how to say that. I want to know like how much he he he, he fight to win or maybe just to put a show. Like how how what, how how he, he divide that? Because I know he likes to put a show. I know he like a, he 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 fakes some moves. He always kind of like a almost like dance in front of his opponent. I'm just wondering like a, how much he he fight to win or how much he goes that just to pe- get people excited on that. You know. Because I, I respect that too. You want to go there. And people want to see exciting Matt. You know, I, I, I enjoy to see that. But at the same time, I want to, I, I want to win too. And how much like he fight to win and how much he fight to, to put a, a show to whoever is watching. I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to, to know his honest opinion. Okay. So what, what he considers sort of more important, putting on the show or getting the win? Yeah. All right. And then, uh, yeah, so we have a few minutes left, a couple minutes left. If you want to say something to your fans watching at home, Marcelo, go ahead and take the time now. Um, guys, I, I want to bring it up, like, the situation that everybody is right now. I, I think it's important. Uh, I want to I give some positive message to feel that I know we, we're not having jiu-jitsu right now. I'm, I don't have jiu-jitsu to, to train right now. And based on how much passion I have, and I believe everybody – have sense of that that I have I have devoted my, my entire life on that. Um, I I just want you guys to understand that I feel like now is the time to use the juice that we have. We, we we have to come out of some new ideas. We have to adapt. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And I'm not saying that in a hard way, guys. We we have to we, we want to do jujitsu, but we're gonna have to figure out a, a good way to do jujitsu. And and in the meantime, when we're home, guys. Let's just be patient. Let's just kind of like a, uh, be patient with the situation because many of us, we don't know exactly when things are going to go back to normal. And when I say normal, maybe it's going to be a new normal. So I really hope like uh, everybody stays strong and, and patient and, and still try to figure out like uh, uh, the best solution because that's how we do jiu-jitsu. Even we all know we're under pressure right now of a, not having a job, um, not only jiu-jitsu, all the people that maybe like they lose like a chance to go to work and make their income. You know what I mean? I just want you guys to just try using jiu-jitsu on your favor right now. And even 
you under a lot of pressure, just don't be depressed and, and try really like a work your mind right now and try try get the most out of that. Try try be productive to to know what we're gonna do when we come back and and in the meantime just stay strong and and also like uh, uh say thank you to everybody that going out there and is still working. Uh all the doctors, the nurse that I, I you know I know how how the nurses are important in that meantime. In, in that main time, I have, I have, have, I have, have my kids in the hospital. I know how much the nurse does and how, how much they have done for my family and the doctors too. So I'm just, I'm just appreciate everybody that is out there taking, taking care of people. You know. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Marcella, for calling in, and uh, it's always a pleasure. That was amazing. And uh, yeah, so like we said, tomorrow's Sonato, uh Tomorrow night on Gordon's show, we have John Danaher, Friday, Fionn Davies. And, uh, yeah, everybody tune in. All right. Thank you very much. Go ahead and kill it, Kyle. Thanks, Marcelo. See you next time.